Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Mining Your Business podcast, a show all about process mining, data science, and advanced business analytics. I'm Patrick, and again with me, Jakub. How are you doing? Hey, Patrick. I'm doing quite nice. Thanks. Today's episode is all about top 10 steps to successful process mining consulting. Number seven will surprise you. All that coming up next. Today, we are talking about top 10 steps to successful consulting. Before we do that, we should actually explain what is consulting and what is so specific about consulting and process mining. So, Patrick, go ahead. Well, so uh, I would say that a lot of clients that, that come to us, um, they're, they're very diverse from, from where they come from in the process mining journey. And I say the journey because it really, really is. When you start the, your process mining journey, let's say, you don't really quite know what it is. You don't really quite understand all its implications, all the things it can do for you, right? So you need a, as Jan Lenge has said in our previous podcast, a digital Sherpa to help you along the way in implementing a successful process mining implementation, right? And once the the, pro, the software, the process mining software is implemented and you have your analyses also along the way in helping you figure out what these new things mean, what these KPIs mean, right? There are other customers that already have an implementation of process mining, and they just want us to implement a new process, right? They're fully aware of all its capabilities, so now they want to use it on a new process, a new side of the business, something they haven't thought of, right? And they want us to help uh, help them figure it out, right? Yeah, I still do remember and do love the comparison of uh, someone who's holding your hand throughout the implementation as a Sherpa. Uh, so Jan, if you're listening, thank you for that. And I would just say that it's, again, very important to mention that uh, uh, a lot of customers are expecting to uh, this, this software, this process mining, to be just uh, out of the box on, on keys solution, that you get it, uh, you, you install it, and you can just go ahead and start mining your business. <laughs> uh, however, it's not as easy, obviously, and there are a lot of things that goes into into that. And again, you can listen to one of our previous episodes, uh, for instance, with uh, Simon Bach, who was really talking about the technical part of of the deal. Uh, and so, what Solonis is doing is uh, so. First of all, Solonis is growing insanely rapidly. So it's uh, essentially uh, doubling each year, uh, maybe even more in, in some previous years. Um, doubling in what sense? In in size, in size. So in mm. size of employees, in size of revenue, basically any criteria that you can think of, it's just growing insanely. And uh, so first of all, good for them. I'm very happy for these guys. I know a lot of them personally, and uh, I'm just happy that uh, their business is booming. But obviously that brings certain uh, certain struggles, and uh, you have to keep up with uh, with the demand. So the more companies that want to adapt your solution, that want to do the process mining, the more uh, people you need to, to guide them through it. Because uh, not long ago, process mining was a brand new uh, thing, the new shiny thing in IT and in business analytics. And everybody wanted that, but not everybody knew exactly what it means. We are currently trying to improve this, this uh, general idea about process mining through our, business, uh, through our podcast. Uh, however, what I'm trying to say is that uh, Salonis still needs some outside help. And that's why they have these uh, service excellent tracks for the implementation partners, uh, which we are also part of. 
Uh, I'm very proud to say that we are uh, one of the few platinum uh, partners of Solonis, meaning that we've done in our in, in the years that we are working with them a lot of process mining implementations, which makes uh, which make us pretty good, to be honest, Patrick. I feel pretty good about ourselves. Yeah, I, I, I can't help but feel proud because you know we've been uh, well. Certainly, you have been here longer in this process mining uh, uh, space than I have, but uh, it feels good to be part of a. Uh, you know, this uh, top-level kind, kind of a partner. Exactly. And therefore, Celonis uh, does want uh, to include uh, his partners into, into these implementations because uh, it can help them grow. It can help us grow as well. And uh, we, as a consulting company, we can focus more on the customer's needs. While Celonis, uh, for obvious reasons, uh, tries to focus on making the best out of their tool and making it uh, the best process mining tool possible for anyone. Absolutely. And I mean, um, just to put uh, on that point, I think it's a, a, a great point you're making. So the, they want to focus on the tool part. And since we have focused on the implementation side of it, we have a lot of experience in implementations. We have experience in this process, right? And this process, some customer asks us to do. So our um, our portfolio of all the things that we have implemented is growing immensely. And we have the experience to implement new things because we probably have already done it. Yeah, so essentially it becomes uh, this, this uh, coexistent environment where everybody's feeding of, of themselves, but eventually everyone's happy. Exactly, ultimate synergy. True. And uh, since we are a a process mining consulting company and we've done our share of implementation during those years, uh, what we've done is that we've prepared some some, uh, successful consulting steps. So we will go through a list uh, and give you some advice on how to do the consulting, uh, in our opinion, the right way. What are some best practices and what to be a little careful about. So Patrick, you want to go with the first point? Yeah, so um, starting right off the top, get to know your customer, right? It's essential in getting to know their needs, their wants, kind of what their background is, what industry are they from, kind of what do, where are the people from that you're speaking to, you know? Do they have a background in mathematics? Do they have a background in sales? That will give you an indication of what their needs and wants are, you know, where their pain points lie and things like that. So getting to know your customer, um, having conversations with them, can can help a lot. Luckily, it's not that difficult. Uh, first of all, we are working uh, in a in a branch where we are doing implementation for uh, huge companies. So getting to know what the company is doing is not usually the the, the hard part. But you can go uh, a little further, and uh, you can connect with the people on LinkedIn. You can check their backgrounds, what were what they were doing. As just Patrick saying, is there is mathematician or statistician. Or if you're on the other uh, side talking to someone who's uh, worked most of uh, his or her life in sales. And you can then know what to expect from those people and also set your, uh, your uh, I would say, vocabulary and language that you are talking to these people uh, at the very beginning. So, uh, yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, also, the internet is now old enough that you can look back fairly far in history and the companies will have you know, um, press releases and saying uh, this company and this company has signed a deal with this um, enterprise resource um, planning solution, right? So like um, 
some company has signed a 10-year deal with SAP or something, right? So you know, okay, at this point in time, they had an SAP implementation. That kind of gives you an idea of the types of data and, and way their database already kind of looks like because you are from, we are, for example, familiar with uh, most ERP systems, right? So just kind of reading through their press releases kind of already gives you an idea about the things they're trying to do, the things they're, uh, they're focusing on their business, and you know, kind of helps out getting the vibe of the company. Uh, I have a, actually a real story from one of my customers who uh, unfortunately had a major security breach a couple of months before the implementation started. And you can bet that they were very cautious about the security that uh, Sonis was coming with. And we had to do a lot of extra steps that usually wouldn't be part of this implementation just to ensure that uh, everything is, uh, from the security point of view, uh, top-notch. Yeah, it's kind of sad that it sometimes takes a security breach for companies to go that extra step and figure out that, hey, these things like security <laughs> are incredibly important. Okay, guys, so no no more passwords written on your screens, please. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> no post-it notes, not, nothing in Notepad or something like that. No. Yeah. Proper passwords. Get a password right. manager would be my, my suggestion. Yeah, for sure. Uh, moving to the second point. Uh, be open and transparent. And, and this is huge for consultants. Uh, I have to say, I am sometimes, I'm, I'm the kind of a person who likes to always put the cards on the table. I don't like these, uh, uh, these politics in the background. And I just like to be open with uh, uh, how the implementation is going. Are there any problems? Uh, are we going to face any struggles in the future? Just if there is anything that you expect, anything that you are having problems with and you cannot solve it yourself or within a reasonable amount of time, just say it. Everybody's used to working on the different projects. Everybody expects some kind of problems at some point. So there's no reason to, to, to hide it. And uh, I, you would be surprised how much the, the management, the project management appreciates if you come clean and tell them if something's not working or something's not going under, uh, based on the expectations. I mean, absolutely. I mean, if somebody expects a deadline and you say, hey, I'm going to be two weeks late on this deadline, what are they going to do? You know, it's not like they're just going to be like, well, now I don't want it anymore. All this time I've invested. No, I mean, the project is just going to be late and that's okay. It's, uh, it's not nice that it's not on time. There are probably legitimate reasons why these things are not on time. But communication, especially when things are not going in the ideal way, is key, right? So, and I think also here at, uh, at our company, Process, Process End, we have pretty much a, a very open policy with this. I remember... The first time I messed something up here, I, I went, to our, uh, went to Nico and said, hey, this thing isn't really working and I don't know how I'm going to finish it. And he's like, all right, tell him. Yeah. What? Yeah, just tell him. Just whatever. This, is, this isn't working and you're going to be late. Okay. But yeah, that's, it's, we're, we're very open with these things. If something doesn't work, communication. It's, it's, it's life. I, again, had another uh, real life story when I was working on the project and uh, one or two days before uh, the the handover workshop, nothing was working. Like uh, the, the reports were breaking, the extractions were failing, uh, and there was very little we could do in the amount of time we had. So I just wrote an email. Uh, Listen, I think uh, I know we have a workshop in two days, but I don't think uh, we are really capable of having anything worth looking into. Uh, and 
Unfortunately for me, they said, no, they, we want to keep the workshop. <laughs> uh, and I remember I was still fixing some stuff uh, literally minutes before the workshop. <laughs> and it turned out to be great, actually. Somehow everything just finished during the, during the first words. So uh, the, the extractions nice. finished, the, the, the data <laughs> model loaded. And the workshop was a huge success. And then <laughs> the project manager who, you know, expected to, uh, the, the workshop to be a disaster actually was surprised. So then he even wrote me that he was very impressed and I was also very happy with how it went. But uh, truth to be told, I was uh, very nervous uh, days before it even happened. So <laughs> Yeah, okay. So right before the meeting, you had sweat dripping uh, down your face. <laughs> oh, mostly. oh, yes. Oh, yeah, yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, number three. Don't waste your client's time. Yeah, so this is one of mine. I think it's very important um, because your your clients are paying you, right? So you should stick to writing them emails and communicating in a short but concise way most of the time. If you require a few points of information, you don't need to set up a 30-minute or hour meeting, right? It takes some time to organize these things to get the right people just write them a mail. A mail is sufficient. There are a lot of meetings that I've been a part of where I think this could have been a mail, right? So don't waste your time. Don't waste their time. Their uh, time is valuable. Your time is valuable. Keep the meetings to a minimum. True. I mean, uh, anyone who's working on uh, on any kind of project probably knows that there is a lot of meetings that can be avoided or not taken, uh, not being taken in the first place. So, uh, I try when I uh, when I am on the project management side of process mining implementation, I try to mitigate the meetings to the bare minimum. So we usually host the weekly updates. 30-minute call usually suffice, especially in the beginning phase where uh, you are trying to set your system up and you are trying to build up the infrastructure. Uh, sometimes even weekly call is too, too uh, often, so you can even reduce it to less and uh, seriously. When there is a time when there is something to discuss, you will know it and then you can uh, eventually have more or prolong the time that you need with the client. Yeah, I have a story from one of my clients where during the first part, when we started implementing the, their processes, we had daily meetings, um, giving status updates on how it's going. And for two weeks, my status was, I'm implementing. And that was <laughs> it. I couldn't say anything. Like, what am I supposed to say? Yeah, I'm writing the code. Still. And they're like, okay. And it was just a 15-minute chunk out of my time that I could have spent um, implementing it <laughs> yeah. that I was telling them that I was implementing. You know? so, so it probably goes both ways. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it was a kind of a waste of both of our times. But I mean, I get the, I get the need for wanting um, to be updated and things like that. But again, this could have been a mail. True, true. Okay, moving to number four. Uh, scope the right way. So with scoping, uh, there is a lot that is included in this word. So what we do usually at the beginning of the project with the business users, they have an idea of the process. They know what are the KPIs uh, that they want to measure. They know what are probably some bottlenecks in the process that they want to focus on. And we host uh, a workshop, a scoping workshop. And once again, you can listen to our older episodes, uh, one of the older episodes with uh, Daniel Booker, who is uh, giving a thorough overview on these workshops. And just to quickly uh, recap 
what he said before. Uh, during this workshop, you are trying to obtain all of this information. Uh, and uh, so you got to really be careful on what the people are saying. You got to listen to them. You got to know what they are roughly talking about. I know sometimes it can be difficult, especially with the, let's say, some external modules that you don't know or uh, custom tables, custom transactions that you've never even seen and that there is a very, very poor documentation from the customer side. And that's sometimes the case, I'm afraid. Or maybe you are working on a process that, you know, it's your first time on the process and that can also be challenging. So uh, this scoping part is is important and I uh, strongly suggest to have at least someone who has a certain knowledge because then it mitigates uh, a lot of unnecessary follow-ups. And uh, watch out what the people are saying, what they really want. So the listening part is really, really important. Right. So what you're saying is that you need to really specifically listen to the the pain points that every single person in this meeting is talking about and kind of have the business know how to kind of know what that means for the customer, what they're experiencing, and what that means on the technical side. Like, hey, this this customer's experiencing a pain point in delivery times or something like that. Now you're thinking, okay, so I might already have an idea where in this ERP system I need to look in order to find exactly what they're talking about. Yeah, because if you think about it, you are the bridge between the the business and the front end, what's eventually that's uh, they are going to see. So you need to have this knowledge. You need to know what they're talking about from the business perspective. But you also got to have an idea how to build it. Luckily, uh, it's not really a rocket science most of the times. And you are able, if you understand the process, you are able to get most of the information yourself. But not always. Sometimes you can just, uh, you can be sometimes a little confused or something doesn't quite add up. So there will be follow ups. Uh, but just be careful about this and be, uh, come prepared to the workshop, I would say. And, uh, after you do the workshop, uh, uh, be really clear on, uh, what you want to do. Uh, so rather than, uh, including a lot of in this scope, a lot of stuff. So, you can put in the purchase to pay a little bit of order to cash process. You can put there some uh, invoice scanning processes and so on. Rather in the scoping say that like, okay, let's do rather a bit less and let's get a more value out of it. Then let's just jump on everything that you set and we will do anything. Um, yeah, I actually had that happen where in one of the processes that I implemented, they kind of wanted to see everything. It was kind of a production um, process with some ordering in there and also some purchasing. And at the end, it kind of turned out to be a, a bit of a mess. So yeah. um, getting the, setting the, the goal, right, and how you're going to get there is incredibly important after this scoping. Yeah, scoping the right way, it's, I would say, is vital. Be, be careful about what you are eventually going to include in the scope because it can backfire a lot because uh, at the end of the day you still have to implement if you if you say that this is your scope you will have to implement it and it is expected from you and it's either going to take a long time or you are going to lose the time somewhere else so let's say that you have if if you say in the workshop in the scoping workshop you're going to do the 10 use cases uh, you might finish them but then you won't have any more budget to do anything else so if you rather went with, let's say, four or five use cases and really implemented them thoroughly, made sure that everybody understands them, 
and even focus on the value creation part, you would likely uh, came out on top of it and nobody would care if you have if they have only five use cases, if those five use cases are bringing them tremendous value. Um, yes, and I'm thinking five use cases, so five different processes, that's already a lot of work. That's already a lot of things that people need to validate, people need to get involved with. That's already a pretty big project. Okay, then moving on to the number five on our list. Patrick, what's the number five? Number five, uh, listen to your customers' needs and wishes. Now, we've kind of already spoken about this in some of these points, but it keeps coming up, right? So um, you need to figure out what is special about your customer, right? Everybody can kind of implement an out-of-the-box order-to-cash process or a purchase-to-pay process or whatever it is. But there's always something that this company does different. There's always something that, that a company has a different pain point where um, their deliveries are not the same or, or things like that. They have custom um, solutions in place that they also want to map, right? So there's there's the standardized order to cash or purchase to pay or whatever process, but then there's the extra stuff. And the extra, the extra stuff is the thing that you need to look out for, the things you need to listen for. Yeah, the extra sauce. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So we have this very special invoice, uh, invoice scanning system that we really, really need. And uh, we, don't know, we don't know much about it. So go figure it out. Exactly, pretty much. And it's, um, it's one of those that's been a pain point in the past. People have not figured out how, um, how to really connect it to the other ones. It's not really compatible. And they're kind of hoping that you are their, um, their guru that kind of just figures this stuff out, right? And so these are the points that um, are small things, but end up being the most difficult to do. Yeah, and you don't really have to even stop there because throughout the project, you will talk to a, a whole set of different people. And these people might have some other ideas, might have even some different processes in their mind. And just by listening to them and uh, knowing what they want to do in the future might bring you eventually more, more job for you and your company. Uh, you can get more work, you can get more projects, you can stick by and help them with the implementation in the, in the future as well. Absolutely. So it very much plays into our previous point, point four, when we reduce the scope and they say, we want to do 10 use cases, but we say, hey, let's just do five. Table those five. Keep those in mind. Write them down. After a year or half a year or whatever, come to them saying, hey, now that we've implemented the first five, how, how about we do the other ones? Exactly. Uh, so summing up on the, on the top 10 steps to successful consulting so far, so we've covered five of them. Number one, uh, get to know your customer. Number two, be open and transparent. Number three, don't waste your client's time. Number four, scope the right way. Number five is listening to your customers' needs and wishes. And we are moving to number six, which is promise what you can deliver and deliver what you have promised. So this is also huge in my opinion, because after you do the scoping and you know what, to, what you want to do, uh, you should commit to what you are eventually going to do. Because scoping is one thing, but if you never implicitly say, I'm sorry, explicitly say that this is what you are going uh, to implement, then the customer is going to expect that this is your scope and you're going to do everything. So you should really communicate clearly and have it confirmed 
that, okay, so this is the scope that you are interested in. In our opinion, based, based on our, our uh, evaluation of your use cases, uh, based on our metrics of needs and, you know, the impact, uh, we think that these five use cases out of the 10 total that we've uh, scoped are, the, the, are bringing the most value, are relatively easy to implement, and can, uh, can be relatively fast to comprehend. And so you, what you are doing is that you are trying to commit to those five use cases and tell them that this is what, you, what they should expect and, and nothing more. And then obviously, then there's the second part of the sentence of the equation, and that is that you eventually have to deliver. Absolutely. I mean, promising things and not being able to deliver is is equally as bad, right? So essentially, what it comes down to is kind of knowing what you can do in the agreed upon time span, agreed upon budget or whatever it is, right? And figuring that out can be a little bit tricky because you never know what is in their customer data. So leave some buffer, right? If you think, hey, in these five weeks, I can do five use cases, just be careful. Be on the conservative side because I think this is going to play into our next point as well. There, they, not everything can go as smoothly as you, can, uh, as you think, right? Yeah. And trust me, I am speaking from my personal experience. I wish I knew this uh, from the very beginning. I had actually, when I started to work, to be the project manager, to be the actual project manager of the, of the implementations, I had two projects starting exactly at the same time. And I did the exact same mistake for both of the customers. So that meant that eventually <laughs> I promised everything. So we did the scoping workshop. And then for me, after the scoping, that was it. Like I didn't do any follow-up, what would be considered and whatnot. And I just included everything that they said. And then uh, it backfired at the exact same time for both the customers. That meant that I had to eventually implement everything. We uh, went over the budget a lot and I was not very happy with the way it's turned out. So be careful. Uh, really rather go with less and do it properly than over-promise on more. Exactly. And there's no, um, there's no harm in when they have a list of all the things that they want to do. Just writing in, okay, these are definitely going to happen and these are optional if there's time. If the, the first 10 um, happen quicker than we think or they ha- are implemented more smoothly than we think, and if there's time left over, we can implement the other ones. But just being open, open and honest saying, we're just not sure if this can get done in that time. Yeah. It really goes down to a, a classical prioritization, even in your daily lives, even if you're in your work, what you are doing on a daily basis. If you have a list of 10 tasks, well, you can bet that you are probably cover five of them and only <laughs> two or three of them are going to be done properly. So it's uh, in project, it's, uh, it's exact same mathematics, only on a larger scale and involves more people. Absolutely. So we've kind of, I've kind of already hinted at it, but coming in right at number seven, always expect the unexpected, right? If something can go wrong, it probably will. I'm sure that's Murphy's Law. That just expect that none of what you're going to do is going to be done smoothly, right? Get, go in with that expectation. Because if you go in with the expectation that everything will be fine, it'll be super easy, blah, 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 you're going to have a rude awakening. True. Uh, I have this, uh, I love this sentence that uh, when you have some uh, time frame in mind, uh, always double it. 
because there will be <laughs> unexpected things happening during the implementation, during the validation and so on. And uh, if you say that the project, that you are very optimistic and the project is going to take five weeks, I am 100% sure that it won't, that it will go longer for 10 weeks. Unless you did the same kind of a project for uh, hundreds of times before and you know exactly it's going to take take uh, five weeks. And the bigger the project, the more people involved, the longer it's going to take. And uh, yeah, you got to manage these expectations from the very beginning. Uh, there's nothing worse than... Uh, then false expectations, meaning that you say that in a month everything's going to be fine and working, and then uh, during the third month, um, um, since the promise, you are still struggling to get everything working. So uh, rather say it will take three months from the beginning, because then everybody is uh, expecting that uh, it will be a bit longer. Of course, and um, if you know that things are going to go wrong. Like um, user credentials are all of a sudden blocked or your VPN access is revoked or things like that. These things can always happen. Be prepared to think that even the smallest things can go wrong and can hinder a day's work. Right? So um, I know this has happened to us, um, getting user rights revoked and especially as an external coming into a company, getting these accesses can sometimes take longer than expected. right? So because of course it needs to go through an approval process, um, you need to get your user account set up and all these things. All the things that you think can be done quickly actually end up taking a longer time than you think. Yeah, so again, another real-life story that happened quite recently on one of my projects was that we entered this hot, this, this hot phase uh, when the users went into the processes and started to do the validation. And this should have lasted for two weeks. And since it was more of a business intelligence kind of a kind of implementation. So we had a lot of different reports with a lot of different use cases, not really tied to a certain process. But the point was that uh, the users needed, uh, I would say, quite some time to do the validation properly. And just when we entered this, this hot phase, uh, you know, we did all the development in, in a quality system, meaning that this is like a, a development environment for any, any database. And they were also doing the testing in the development environment. And the, during the week when we had planned for the UATs, for the user acceptance testing, uh, the, the data were starting to be reloaded in the system. So that meant that the whole development system uh, was down or shut down for a week because the data was refreshed uh, because in development system, you usually have only uh, updates on like a yearly basis. And then we had, for a week, we had literally nothing to do because we couldn't proceed with further implementation. The users couldn't do the testing and the whole project got pushed away by a week. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and you can just sit there with your hands, uh, hands on uh, hands tie, uh, and well, just watch it load <laughs> for a week. Yeah, watch the world burn. Yeah, exactly. All right, moving on to number eight. Never forget to follow up. What do you mean, Jakob? Uh, so, in my opinion, especially when you are in the project management kind of a role, uh, you should always uh, think of uh, writing a sum up email. If you have a meeting, if there are some points uh, being said, you know, if you just take five or 10 minutes after the call to put everything uh, in an email and send it out to all the participants, you will save yourself a lot of escalations in the future. Because uh, 
you know, sometimes things are set and nobody really takes uh, takes a note of them until late in the project when suddenly everybody's expecting it to be done. So I we have this uh, policy in our company that uh, we try to write as many emails in, as possible with these kind of uh, follow-ups, uh, meaning that uh, we are protecting basically everyone. If something's said, let's put it down on the paper, let's put it down on the email, and everybody's happy, everybody knows what was said, everybody knows the expectations. And if, uh, if it's not written, then in my opinion, it's not really uh, a valid point. I think so too. And it's a lot easier to recall these things like, hey, do you remember what I said four weeks ago in that one meeting? Or you can just look, oh yeah, I wrote you that email four weeks ago. Here it is. Here's exactly the bullet points that I made. You know, of course, it's just beneficial to just write things down. Exactly. Uh, then the next point is uh, going the extra mile. And uh, what I mean with that is that uh, at some point, hopefully you'll be done with the implementation with the project and you will probably, uh, well, in a, you will probably jump out of the, of the customer completely. But what I mean uh, with the go the extra mile is uh, you don't necessarily uh, have to have this happen. You can stay in touch with the customer for way, way longer. So as we already discussed in, in previous points, there will be, uh, you should listen to them. You should have some expectation on what they are going to do next, what they want to do next. And going the extra mile is to, for instance, reminding uh, yourself to them. So sending an email that nobody really asked you for, either like asking, how is the implementation? Is everything going well? Uh, you can do this after a couple of months uh, after you went out of this project. And you, I, 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 I promise that the customer is going to love this. If, the, if you just remind yourself and you just say, uh, uh, send a nice memo that you are still there and that you, even though you're still not officially work, you're not anymore officially working with them, you are still there, and if you if they need something, they can always uh, ask for help. Exactly. And um, now that the communication is there, even afterwards, they might be thinking about, okay, yeah, I remember this uh, this person from this company that implemented the first thing. Maybe we can also use that to implement anything else that we have in mind, right? So just keeping a yeah. good um, a good relationship with your clients is is a huge thing. Not just you know for for the the work that they throw your way, but also just you know. Being nice, you obviously we spend time implementing these things, and we spend time building them. We also want to see them being used and being used properly, right? Because it's a lot of work and love <laughs> that we put into these things. Yeah, right? it keeps you the door open for. Uh, and if you are looking at it just pragmatically, uh, it is another revenue for you in the future, and you should you should really uh, make an effort to keep these door open. Absolutely, absolutely. So moving on to our final, final point, strive for more. That's number 10. Now, what, right. what do we mean by that? Uh, it is very connected to the previous point with the going the extra mile and strive for more. Um, so what I mean by that is trying to keep the customer to yourself uh, in, a best, <laughs> in a best way possible, obviously. Because after you do the implementation of the process or some enhancements or anything, it is very uh, probable that if you did a good job that the customer is going to remember. And if they ever have any future, any, any problem in the future or they have any more uh, incentives to, to do any more process mining in the future, 
I'm quite sure that they will uh, remember you and they might even give you the project. So it has to do with the open open door. And uh, if you, during the project, during the implementation, if you do something extra for them, if you, uh, if you say, okay, we are kind of tight on the budget, but you know what, I'm just going to do it regardless because it will take me like half an hour or an hour while if the customer wanted to do it themselves, uh, it would take them significantly more amount of time unless they are already skilled and experienced with the process mining themselves. Just do it. Uh, maybe you won't get built for that, but just this, these little things, if you know that you can help them and won't really take that much of a effort for you, just do it. Don't ask for a confirmation or for, uh, for uh, you know, approval. And if it takes a couple of minutes for you, help them out. It's going to be huge in the future. Absolutely. And it's just, it's also just small things like um, looking at this person's data because you're already there. You can already analyze the data and just noticing little quirks that are happening. I remember one where um, some production notifications um, were sent and some of them had quantities and the other ones had dates, but they should actually have both. They should have quantity and dates, but some of them just didn't have either or the other. So I, I, I wrote them saying, hey, do you know that this is happening? The, this seems wrong to me. And they're like, hmm, we'll look into it. And then they come back a week later saying, yeah, this is complete, uh, completely wrong. So they're doing something wrong in their processes, in whatever tool they use, and this should be rectified. Thank you for bringing this to our attention. Right. So it's just small yeah. things that you notice during the implementation that you can just say, hey, this looks weird to me. I think it'd be worth it, worth it if you looked into it. Yeah, and uh, if you are if you uh, realize that uh, you are a couple of months away from the project and you are uh, you are in your in the in the other person's shoes, they won't remember that somebody did the implementation that they have a process in in place. They won't remember that. They won't remember the company or anything. What they will what they will remember is that oh yeah, this this guy from that company actually helped me do this little thing. He actually took his time and spent uh, an hour on call with me, walking me through and explaining me thoroughly how does this work. And it helped me actually understand this better. So I'm uh, uh, I am on a better place now. And I remember this because he, he did it uh, despite, let's say, being on a, a low on the budget. And that's always, always big. And it always helps you to bring more projects in the future. Absolutely. It, it pays off in the amount of time that you invest, but double, right? So, Exactly. So strive for more and go the extra mile. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That seems like it could have been one point, but we, <laughs> we wanted a top 10. <laughs> yeah, we were short on points, so we just uh, split it in two. <laughs> uh, so let's recap on that. So what, we, what was said, the, the points, how you can become a better process mining, uh, either data scientist or company, or uh, it doesn't necessarily have to restrict on process mining, as I am quite sure that uh, majority of these points can be implemented or uh, taken out to any kind of consulting, really, or maybe even to uh, a personal life. It doesn't have to restrict on consulting only. But uh, we had uh, 10 points here. So number one was to get to know your customer. Uh, moving on was the be open and transparent. Don't waste your client's time. Number four, scope the right way. Number five, listen to your customer needs and wishes. Number six, promise what you can deliver and deliver what you have promised. Number seven, expect the unexpected. 
Number eight, never forget follow-up. Number nine, go the extra mile. And number 10, strive for more. Patrick, you got anything else? That list seems perfect to me. That's a pretty good guide, in my opinion. All right, then uh, I hope that this guide was going to help you in your future implementations. Uh, As always, we are super excited that you are listening to us and that you uh, hopefully are getting the value that we are uh, aiming for with this uh, podcast. As usual, you can write us an email on mindingyourbusinesspodcast at gmail.com or you can also contact us through our uh, contact form on our website, processen.com. We are very excited about this podcast and uh, we will be looking forward uh, to you with our next episode in two weeks' time. So please stand by. Patrick, have a nice day. Bye. Yeah, Yeah, bye, Jakub.